Hey guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. When Molly was growing up, she dreamt of one day being a great athlete, taking on the world's best swimmer, Michael Phelps, or bolting past Australian Olympic champion hurdler, Sally Pearson. But so far, well, she hasn't even been able to beat me yet. So here's some competitive advice, Molly. I believe I can win. When you're on that start line, you have to contend with your nerves. It's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough. In the block, you begin in the crouch position with the back knee on the ground and all the weight resting onto the fingertips. Here we go! Take your mark. Get set. It's the time when you have to clear your mind and listen solely to the gun. By the 30 metres, beat in full flow and hurtling down the track to the finish line. Harper's coming through very strongly. Well, Pearson gets it, I think, from Harper. And it's 12.35. It's a new Olympic record. It was so close. Get out of my way, man. Dude, chill out. I'm going to win. Totally going to beat you this time. It's just a fun race between friends. Yes, almost there. No! Yes! Oh. Yes! Ah! Oh, nailed it. This is Short and Curly, and I'm Carl, the number one champion. I'm Molly, and I lost that race. And today, can sport ever be fair? And should it be fair? Especially when we have cheaters like Carl. I didn't cheat. I had, like, a minor head start. Was that was it. big head start. Whatever. Hey, Molly, you're a pretty sporty person, right? Uh, no. I, I mean, I ran just then. That was it. But I used to love swimming. And sometimes I wonder if, when I was a kid, if I had stuck to, like, a really tight exercise regime where I trained all the time, maybe I could have made it as a top athlete. You reckon you could have been, like, Michael Phelps? Bunches of gold medals, like, world records in the swimming pool? Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, he's got a few, like, natural advantages over you. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but he's pretty tall and he's got these really long arms and everything. Mm, I could take him. Michael Phelps stands six foot four with an enormous wingspan of six seven. He's the world's most decorated Olympian with 18 gold medals. I enjoy stepping up on the block. I enjoy racing. By 10, he was breaking records and dreaming of an Olympic career. Dinner plate size hands grab water like a pair of paddles. He has slaughtered the world record here. And the flex of double jointed elbows and knees adds an exaggerated range of motion. All of which made him an ideal swimmer. I mean, I'm somebody who cannot stand to lose. He's coming hard, Phelps. He's still a chance. He's a real big chance. Can he do it again? He hits it and he does. Remarkable, stunning. Okay, yeah, it definitely sounds like he's got some natural advantages there. Yeah, and that's not even everything. Like, he doesn't produce as much lactic acid as other people, so he can recover faster, and he's got these giant lungs. Okay, okay, I get it. He can beat me, but that doesn't make it a fair race. Well, maybe. Uh, here's what a couple of students at Randwick Public School think. I'm not saying that it's fair, but I'm not saying that it's unfair either, because he, he can't make himself not produce like this acid and he can't help it if he has giant feet or strange limbs. It's a bit like like play to your strengths because like he has those talents that if he wasn't swimming then they probably wouldn't be used for other things. Don't let it go to waste. Yeah, playing to your strength is great. Just like Carl is really great at playing to his strength of cheating. 
Uh, quit being such a sore loser, Molly. <laughs> okay, so putting Phelps and his natural advantages aside, let me ask you this. Picture one of your old school swimming carnivals. How fair do you think it is racing in those events? Oh, it was pretty fair. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's there's probably no sort of performance-enhancing drugs in the mix there. No, not in a primary school swimming carnival. <laughs> but you can imagine there would be ways to have advantages over the other kids at the swimming carnival, right? Oh, totally. Like, like if your parents were happy to take you to swimming training every morning before school, or if you owned some really good goggles which didn't go foggy or fall off when you dived into the pool, that, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of stuff we're looking at today. So what's fair and what's unfair in sport? So here's a little question to get you thinking. And remember, this show has a pause button. In a second, you can stop your player and have a chat with those around you or just give yourself some time to think. And what we'd really like to know today is whether or not you think the school swimming carnival is fair. Hit pause now. As always, Matt Beard from the Ethics Centre is here to help. I think it depends what we mean by fair. Sometimes we talk about fair as if fair meant equal, but we don't really think about it that way. We all think it's fair for different people to sit the same maths exam, even though someone might be better at maths than somebody else. Because what we do when we get in the swimming pool is we test how good someone is at swimming. And part of that is people's natural characteristics. So long as they get to dive in at the same time and none of them have a secret motor strapped to their feet, then really we say that that's fair. But part of sport is about different natural advantages that people have. And some sports are just a test of how good someone is at swimming fast or picking up something heavy. And that can still be fair. It doesn't necessarily mean it's equal. Thanks, Matt. You're listening to Short and Curly. Liz Ellis is someone who's got a whole bunch of experience in this area. She's a three-time world champion netball player and a former captain of the Australian netball team. Welcome, Liz. We've just been talking about Michael Phelps, who has this incredible but abnormal body that makes him way better at swimming than most people. So is it still fair for someone like him to compete against us regular swimmers? Absolutely, because he's been given that body, but he's, he's had to actually go and do the work to make it still become a world-class swimmer. So uh, in my time as an athlete, and especially as a junior, I came across a lot of players who had an unfair advantage, so to speak, physically, but didn't have the drive to do the training, didn't have the will to compete, didn't have the discipline to make themselves better, and they dropped off. And if you compared perhaps them and myself at the age of about 14 you were, and said, pick the one who will play for Australia, you, you wouldn't have picked me. Oh, oh Ellis. Ellis! Lizzie Ellis! Enormous defence, Australia on the attack. They won't waste time, too much pride. They won't eat it up, they'll just keep attacking. 55. So if you look at someone like Michael Phelps, maybe physically he has an unfair advantage, and I'm using quotation marks there, but that, that is just a starting point. And for him, he's prepared, been prepared to sacrifice so much of his life you know, he's no doubt getting up at four o'clock in the morning to go to swimming training. He's going to bed early. He's not eating um, sweet treats and lollies and ice creams. He's not going out partying with his friends all the time because he has decided what he wants to do. Now, 
someone like Michael Phelps, he's, he's an American swimmer. And America is a big, rich country, and it's well represented in uh, things like, you know, the, the swimming championships and the Olympics and so on. Do you think that's bordering on, on unfair? Mm, uh, look, I think that wealth is um, one of the big things that in sport that does create an unfair advantage. And it's not often, it's not even between countries. It can be between football clubs in the same competition. One club um, or a netball club might have a really good sponsor so they can attract good players and uh, that gives them an unfair advantage or gives them an advantage. Now, the fairness of it is something that is a really tough thing to get your head around and it's like, you know, you're talking about Michael Phelps being a swimmer from the United States. Yes, they've got the college system that really helps them to be able to make the most of their physical attributes. The downside is that when you're from a country like that, there's so much more competition. So there's a lot of good swimmers or good athletes who actually never get to go to the Olympics simply because they're swamped by a lot of other great athletes. Um, Liz, one of the the things that came up in the research that we were doing was that uh, in some sports, people are actually altering their bodies in ways that are allowed. For example, um, you can get laser eye surgery, and that's completely allowed in sports, which, you know, in sports like, say, precision shooting or archery can make a big difference. Um, it is a, that to me is a real grey area that almost needs to be addressed sport by sport. For example, I took advantage of, of the laser um, eye surgery when I was playing because contact, my contact lenses used to fall out all the time So because I had a funny-shaped eye. So to a degree, I was just levelling up the playing field. I was making myself sort of bringing my eyes back to where everybody else was. In netball, it wouldn't make any difference how sharp your eyesight was because you've still got to execute your skills. Um, whereas something like archery or shooting, then perhaps they, they would have to address that. You know, at the, at the end of the day, yeah, you might be able to get your eyes fixed, but is that going to help if, you, if your aim's dreadful in the first place? All right, Liz Ellis, uh, former captain of the Australian netball team, the Diamonds, and three-time world champion, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Well, if Liz Ellis, sporting superstar and national treasure, thinks that laser eye surgery is fair, then so do I. Yeah, I totally agree. But outside of, like, altering your body, you can actually add things onto your body. I mean, things like uh, special outfits for swimming or for running, and you can actually train with certain gadgets as well to make you stronger. Yeah, that stuff doesn't seem super fair. And there's this whole movie that's kind of about that. It's called Like Mike. I used to watch when I was a kid. This kid finds a pair of magical sneakers, and when he puts them on, he can play basketball as well as Michael Jordan. And that kid did not train. Craziest thing happened last night, and I found this pair of basketball sneakers, right? I think they're magic. I told you he was abducted by aliens. They're playing basketball. All around the world. That was so unfair. Totally agree. Completely unfair, but a great film. A oh, great so 90s good. So film. Good. But there is a whole bunch of equipment that is considered fair. We see it in sports all the time. So we're going to introduce you guys to one of the people working on that technology here in Australia. His name's Joseph Winter, and he's in charge of creating all the cool gadgets and technology for athletes at the Australian Institute of Sport. Technology can have a, a large impact, sometimes just fractions of seconds, but sometimes can be as much as uh, multiples of seconds improvement in time. Right, so I guess it's like, you know, the equipment to help you train, and then there's the equipment that they might actually use in their sport, mm. and then there's things like clothing as well, isn't there? Well, that's right, and I guess a good example in the swing world uh, was the, the laser suit from memory was based on how the shark skin looks like. They allowed 
you to float, and so it just meant you could put more power into going forwards. The Laser Racer, an ultrasonically welded, ultra-low friction suit that actually repels water. The result is what experts claim to be the fastest swimsuit in the world. So what these new suits are doing is actually controlling a lot of that extra movement. Meaning they can swim faster for longer. It's sort of left to the sports to decide what is fair for their sport and what isn't. And I think in the end, the international swimming body decided that those laser suits just gave too much of an advantage to the, the athletes that could afford them because they obviously were quite expensive. Because of its cost, there were some countries that just couldn't afford to buy that suit So for the, the whole swim team. So uh, I think part of it, you know, it really did come down to a question of perceived fairness. And so that's why that particular piece of technology, as, as wonderful as it was, was um, ultimately banned from competition. Have you ever been forced to step in uh, and stop the development of a bit of equipment or technology because you thought it was bordering on unfair? We have in the last year been in the process of developing technology that I can't actually talk about, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, there have been discussions even with that around, you know, whether or not it's fair or, or not. Joseph Winter there from the Australian Institute of Sport with inside goss that he would not share with us, even though we really wanted him to. This guy is like the keeper of all of Australian sports' top <laughs> secrets. And I so want to know what it was that he was talking about. What do you reckon he was, he was like alluding to there? Do you think it was like maybe like fins for swimmers or like gills? Gills for human swimmers? Mm, I reckon maybe like mini rockets like built into your shoes for the high jumpers and like the long jumpers and everything. Look, the possibilities are endless. Uh, now let's hear from our Brains Trust on what they think gives athletes the edge in sport. Some countries' wealth and like the training facilities that they have and their coaches will have a big impact. In Formula One, a good car is everything and the low-budget teams, they don't have very much money to create a good car. By um, practising a lot and um, doing repetitive actions in the sport to make you really good at them so that you don't have to think when you're playing, so you just do it. Having the right equipment that your parents are OK with like buying you that... Um, I think that it's pretty unfair because I used to play rugby and there used to be like people double my size but I guess if you're wanting to play that you have to like try training and try get as good as possible even if there are people double your size. It's not really fair but all you can do is play to your advantages so if you're like Alfie said in rugby if you're like small you can try and improve on your stepping and your speed. Whereas if you're big, you just, you can run through. It may also be the support they get from their fans or other countries. It could also affect, like, the climate of the countries. Like for the Winter Olympics, Australia doesn't have any snow, but some other countries do. I think the country could have a massive influence because if a country is really passionate about a particular sport... This sport will be injected into a child from a young age and therefore has a greater influence on their life. All you can really do is try and make it as fair as you can. It can only be fair to like a certain extent. Look, everything those kids said pretty sums up me and Michael Phelps. 
and our rivalry there. So, see, I'd be happy with any of those advantages, but me, you know, I'm I'm not tall, I'm not strong, I'm not fast, uh, I'm, I'm not smart. All right. Carl, as usual, bringing the mood right down with his whinging. Uh, all right, Matt, come on, let's get this across the finish line. What's fair, what's unfair, and what's just dumb luck? I think a lot of it's dumb luck, but I think what's fair is really determined, as we said, by what's in line with the rules. So long as the rules are applying to everyone equally, I think that's what's fair. And some countries are richer or have access to better facilities, so how can that be fair then? It's fair because when we talk about fairness, I think we're talking about the rules of the game. But if we talked about it, the big picture, then it doesn't seem very fair. It seems like there's there's advantages that some people have and other people have. But maybe that's something that we've got to make peace with, the fact that when we watch sport, we're actually not watching like a board game where everyone starts on the same Monopoly spot. Some of us already have advantages because of where we're born or how we're born or the type of equipment we have access to. So when we watch the Olympics, we should remember that when we're watching athletes from some countries that are less well off, that there's actually something really admirable about that, even if they're not going to be on the podium at the end of it, because they don't have the same advantages as everyone else. Matt Beard, Short and Curly's favourite ethicist. Thanks so much for swinging by. Thank you again. A big thanks to Randwick Public School and especially Claire, Alfie, Arian, Jack, Alika, Jasmine, Matt, Corey and Imogen. Uh, Molly, where are you going? I'm going to go challenge Michael Phelps to a 100 metre freestyle. I think I'm in with a shot. Good luck. Uh... I can tread water for like 10 minutes! Hey, you're still there. You must have liked the show then. So why not get in touch with us and tell us what you reckon about Short and Curly. You can email us at shortandcurly at abc.net.au. That's shortandcurly at abc.net.au. Or you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also like the ABC Podcasts Facebook page. And I promise if you do that, we'll love you back. Catch you next time.